0: All right, today on TV's Biggest Fails, if you're running an Apex on your tank, 90% of you are missing 80% Mm. of the value. Mm. And I know that because I've been one of them. So today we're gonna share with you all of our biggest fails and how you can get the most in the equipment you already have on your tank.
1: I'd say the Apex is the Swiss Army knife of the reefing gear in the hobby because it can detect and solve a whole variety of problems, things that we've even missed or misprogrammed on our own poorly. Uh, So today you get to learn from all of those mistakes uh, starting first with number
0: one. so the number one biggest fail with an aquarium controller like this is missing the fact that a lot of people actually don't use it as a controller. Mm. It's actually just a monitor in many cases and maybe even most cases. And the controller is actually the second thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it labeled as an aquarium controller. And that's what I first bought mine for. I had I missed the uh, monitoring capabilities of it. Like that was a huge miss for me. I just wanted to control things. I just wanted to turn my pumps off and on, turn my lights off and on, control them, ramp them up, ramp them down, do a bunch of automated type stuff. And I thought that was cool, that's all I wanted.
0: Yeah, so here's the thing though. The biggest thing is uh, all the equipment on our tanks are gonna fail at some point. Mm. every single piece of equipment right. on the whole tank. So the thing is, I just wanna know when it happens. So monitoring it will tell me when that happens so I can actually do something about it 80% of the time I'm with an hour of my tank or actually already at home. So as long as I know about it, I can actually do something about it. Controlling it is when I start adding all that automation mm-hmm. and like redundancy and stuff. So you can pick either one of those paths, but the cool thing about monitoring your tank is like anybody can do this. It comes out of the box able to do uh, that. You don't have to like go into fancy programming. Yep. Controlling is like uh, for the reef nerdier of us, you know, you can go adding all the layers <laughs> of redundancy and stuff. But most of us, if you put yourself into a group of, I'm monitoring my tank. I know when my ATO failed. The moment that the return pump failed. The moment my flow fails. The moment mm. that the lights fail. The moment that my calcium reactor or, or two part overdoses the tank. The moment that the washer gets dumped in the tank. The moment that my kid dumps in a whole bunch of food by accident into the tank and the ORP skyrockets. <laughs> so any one of those things, and uh, if I know about it, the moment it happens. I'm in a whole different pool of success. All right, so the number two fail is not understanding the 80 20 of a reef tank, meaning 80% of all the issues you guys are going to run into come from just 20% of the causes, and if we solve those, we're way ahead of the curve. And
1: yeah, this is the 20% of problems you were just mentioning. The moment my alkalinity gets overdosed, the moment I have a temperature spike or decrease, the moment my ATO goes overflows, and Uh, Even better, like the the moment I have a leak, these are the 20% that could cause a catastrophic
0: fail. Those four things, my ATO failed, my calcium alkalinity solution, calcium reactor, reactor washer two part, uh, or a leak in my tank, or some kind of temperature issue. One of those four things are gonna cause 80% of the problems in a reef tank over the next five years. If you can solve just those four, you're a whole different category of success. All right, so the number three fail here is one that we've actually done here, and I know that a lot of you have done, so you should go fix this right now. What is it? Yeah,
1: this is not- not turning on your heartbeat. Uh, we lost power to the 750XXL, the heartbeat was not on, which means we did not get alerted that the Apex was not con-
0: connected to the internet. So what the heartbeat does is it sends a little signal to your Apex, bounces back, says, hey, I'm okay. Yeah. If that ever breaks, it could be your router went down, but we're just gonna assume that power went out and it can't communicate back and forth. So the heartbeat tells you that the apex can no longer communicate, probably meaning that the power out is many, many, many cases and you should go Mm. do something about it, right? In our case, uh, we lost power here just because of GFCI trip, not the whole building uh, lost power. And then we lost a whole lot of fish because of it. And so uh, the heartbeat just wasn't turned on. It isn't turned on by default, by the way, which is part of the problem. And there's some reasons for that meaning when you're setting it up, you don't want it going off all the time. Right. But actually, I think I'd like it to go off all the time so I know what it is when I first get my a so, I don't know, I'll tell Terrence that. But <laughs> uh, for all of you, go and find the heartbeat setting in there and turn it on. So anytime the power goes out, you know the moment that it happens. All right, number four is something like a lot of people don't do and you absolutely should, and it is? Yeah, not using an audible alarm.
1: Plug something that makes noise into an outlet and tell that outlet to warn you if something goes wrong in the tank. My phone's not always gonna be around me. I'm not always next to a computer to get an alert. My tank might look fine just from sitting there, but something could be going wrong.
0: Yeah, so audible alarm, even a flashing light oh, or yeah. anything. So buy a buzzer, buy a clock radio, <laughs> do whatever you wanna do. But I want to hear an audible alarm. Actually, one of my reefing buddies had like a blow horn because it's like <laughs> a three level or floors deep uh, in his basement yeah. is where the tank was. And if something goes wrong, he wants to know about it the moment that it happens. So the blow horn goes off, he goes down there Ooh. and uh, <laughs> solves a problem, right? Uh, so you can plug in anything because most of us again are sleeping, yep. you just happen to not be in the same room in the tank, or something totally catastrophic could be happening in the tank. And even looking at it, you might not know the chemistry is going out of whack. So having an actual alarm that goes off is super cheap. You just plug it into one of these outlets, set it to, be a, to go off if any one of these things happens, and your tank is way, way safer because of it. Okay, so number five fail. We've done it here too again, so it means a lot of you probably have done it too. And it is not, not turning on power monitoring.
1: This is very simple. There's a tasks function specifically for this. All you have to do is go set the high and low, and uh, now you know when your pumps are not drawing as much power, uh, your return pump's not drawing as much power. So these are signs that things uh, need to be maintained, one, or they just completely fail.
0: Yeah, so power monitoring, like we, before power monitoring, we had all kinds of different things like pH sensors, Mm -hmm. ORP sensors, level sensors, like you're trying to catch all these sensors to know when pieces of equipment failed. Power monitoring now opens that window up to whole different things of just, The thing stopped using power, let me know that it's probably broke, right? Or it's using way too much or way too little let me know because it's probably about to break, right? Right. right. Uh, and so like it is super, super simple, like a return pump that's getting clogged and slows down actually uses less power. So it can let you know that you should maintenance it before it totally fails. Lighting should be drawing power, or you can do the opposite, which mm. is set it to let you know that for some reason the lights are on when they shouldn't be, yeah, you true. know? So every single last item on the tank, you should set up power monitoring in some way to let you know that this thing isn't working It is on when it shouldn't be, it's off when it should be on, and let you know the moment that something fails. All right, so number six is actually the extreme other end of the problems, and it is... This is going mad scientist, mad programmer, pulling a me and reading the comprehensive
1: manual from front to back before you even get this thing plugged in. It's not that complex. There's task functions for everything that take like four steps, three steps to set up and I'm done. Me, I took the opposite extreme end and just read all the manuals and started learning programming and I didn't have to.
0: Yeah, so there's two different ends, right? The problem is the more layers of coolness you add on, uh, like maybe you've like kind of messed something up in there. Uh, so like don't go told mad scientists right at the bat. Learn uh, as you go on, and and make sure you're doing it right. Mm. So like you don't need to do every last thing out there. Think about that 80/20, right? The things that I absolutely need to monitor on my tank. Some of the things I actually want to control in case those things happen or something bad happens and fix it immediately. But really just think about what you really need and like leave a little bit of the fluff behind to make sure that. The tank is safe. All right, so number seven is another one I just like have missed and not used <laughs> properly in the past, which means a bunch of you are. Yeah, it's get
1: in there and are getting in there, not using the logs. So uh, you can you have these graphs, these rolling windows of uh, pH, temperature, wattage draw, amperage draw. All of these different things are all graphed with data points. You can follow trends in your tank and notice that, hey, temperature did this, and so did the water draw on this, and so did the uh, pH did this, and here was also a parallel. You can kind of compare these kind of things and then deduce, you know, what's going on with your tank.
0: Yeah. So like, uh, you know, you want to track the pH of your tank. Well, you can track it throughout the whole day. I add a CO2 scrubber. I can attract attract, like exactly what it does at a refugium. I can see what it does at night, right? (laughs) Uh, If I have like a Trident, I can, you know, see what time of day the alkalinity is actually being consumed and kind of like try to stable it out. Uh, You can do all kinds of different things. Power monitoring was a huge one for me in the essence that I can track the wattage draw of some of the equipment over a pretty long period of time. That's where I found out power heads, yeah. right? The yeah. power heads, I uh, clean my power heads, and then I watch over the weeks as the power goes down. You know, They're just drawing less and less powers, are getting clogged. So in that case, if I'm watching that stuff, I can start to see, you know what? my pumps generally need to be maintenanced every four weeks, yep. three weeks, six weeks, whatever type of pump that you have. And you can get a better idea of when to actually do the things and you know what the type of changes you're doing to your tank actually show up in temperature and pH, alkalinity, calcium, magnesium, any of these things. Watch those graphs and learn something about your tank. All right, so number eight is actually something I have to do or I'll totally lose it. So not using this is a huge, huge mistake. Yeah, this is not
1: using the calendar or scheduled tasks. I mean, this kind of ties right into what you're saying. If I follow my maintenance rhythm uh, with my pumps, now I can go into the scheduled tasks and I can say, hey, every day remind me, send me an alert, or every uh, month send me an alert that I need to clean my pumps and uh, I can use the graphs to kind of get that way. But it does a variety of things, like if it's water change day, if it's you know, the third month or that quarter that I need to go clean out my return pump, you can put anything in there to remind you of scheduled maintenance tasks.
0: I can barely remember what I'm supposed to do tomorrow, much less <laughs> a year from now, right? Right. Somebody asked me the other day, like, can we get like some super advanced way to know when to change our bulbs in the UV sterilizer? Yeah. Like is there some kind of test? And like, no. <laughs> but the manufacturer has already identified that it should change about every year. The problem is, is I won't remember in a year, right? Unless you put it on some anniversary. I need to put it in there. So what I generally try to do is do all my maintenance like in January, new year, new stuff. The stuff that happens every year, let's do it then but even better, like have a little thing in there that just tells me, go enter, you know, change out my UV bulb, uh, put a date in it, or remind me, I can check it off when it's done and I know that I got this thing handled. You can do that quarterly, weekly, daily if you wanted to, uh, but, but use the calendar to coordinate it so the stuff that needs to be done in your tank actually does get done. All right, number nine, a lot of us know about this, not enough people use it.
1: Yeah, you, uh, this is not using your feed modes to your advantage. So you get four feed modes, fully programmable in like length of time and things like that. So uh, I might have feed A be my normal feeding. You know, If I wanna turn down my pumps, turn off my return pump, and any of these types of things you can have programmed in the feed A. But then you have th- three other ones that usually get underutilized, in which case like, I can have a long maintenance cycle, I can have a shorter maintenance cycle, I can have you know these variety of different things uh, happen if I choose a feed mode and I can choose the length of time that happens. So when I'm done maintenancing, I can walk away and automatically everything's gonna go back to normal without me touching it.
0: Yeah, so think about like what happens when you turn off the uh, return pump. The water flow in the sump goes up, skimmer goes nuts. Mm-hmm. Right? So maybe when I hit feed mode, I want to and use maintenance, use it as a maintenance mode, and when I turn off the return pump, I automatically want the skimmer to turn off, and I want it to stay off for, you know, I don't know, 10 minutes after, you mm-hmm. know, make let the water level stabilize or maybe I want to to show off my tank. The lights are off, but my buddies are over and I want to turn the lights on. I can go hit one button, lights go back on, right? Better yet, they turn off automatically in an hour when we're done. (laughs) So I don't have to remember, you know, we went and had a couple of beers and we forgot about it, right? I don't want to deal with that. I just want it to turn off in an hour. So there's all kinds of different things that you can hit with the maintenance modes. Obviously, feeding. You know, so if you're feeding, sometimes you don't want your skimmer to be on. I don't want to pull out all those aminos and stuff I'm dumping in. Yeah. I, uh, I, I could turn off all kinds of different things while you're feeding. Maybe I want to turn off uh, my flow pumps because I want the seed or the uh, food to actually sink. You know. Uh, maybe I want to to turn on extra pumps. You know. You can do anything that you want to do, and just have one little button and have it all happen for you automatically, and then better. Yet turn on or off automatically when you're done. Alright, so number 10 is a pet peeve of mine, and I think that they're like really putting the wrong foot forward here. So you can either program your apex using all of the little outlets or
1: Yeah, this is the mistake here is not utilizing the tasks functions and the setup functions. So you can do it the hard way and go write in code and program and all this other stuff. You you fully can do that, but You could also go to the task functions and do it easy with a four, five step process of click this, click this, click this, done.
0: Yeah. So there's two options. You can go and program an outlet like it's an outlet, or you can just go and say, you know what? I'm actually programming a protein skimmer. Yeah. So go to the task functions, select protein skimmer, tell it what outlet is plugged into, but then I ask you like a couple of intuitive questions mm-hmm. that like applies to almost everybody who owns a protein skimmer, right. and then programs it for you. So make sure you use the task functions. Uh, the task will make it way, way, way easier to program it. In fact, anybody, I could probably teach Just about anybody how to do this in five minutes, right? There's tons of videos out on there. So make sure you use that because it will get you a long, long way into making sure your apex is set up correctly from the beginning. All right, number 11 is one of the most common things on a reef tank, but so few people utilize it, (laughs) total
1: fail. Yeah, this is not utilizing the uh, optical sensors or the leak detection sensors. It's probably one of the easiest ways that you can protect your tank. I don't know how many times I've gotten water on my floor, or had something happen in the tank to now it's leaking water on the floor. Uh, But I could have been alerted immediately and not only that, but I could have programmed some outlets to function if these little leak detection sensors sense water and all you need is an FMM module. So if you're using something like the ATK, you got two extra ports. If you're using something like the flow meter kit, you've got extra ports. Use these ports or get an FMM on its own use these ports to plug in leak detection sensors, optical level sensors for high and low areas in your water, and then notified where there's when there's water where you don't want it to be.
0: Okay, so I think like 80% of reefers are probably gonna see their sump go above a point they'd like it to at some point in yep. time, or even flood or have a leak somewhere, plumbing fading, uh, uh, spouts a leak, and you wanna know about it right away, right? And so having these leak sensors here or using the little optical sensors and plugging in the mm-hmm. FMM, is absolutely, it's one of those things that you wish I did after you had a problem, not before, but you can save yourself that problem right now. So this is what I would say, go look at your tank right now and look at it and like, how much did I spend on this stand? Mm -hmm. How much is the floor that's underneath it if I have to repair it or replace it and think, am I willing to spend the like 60 or 70 bucks to protect my floors, my tank, and know about it the moment that it happens, because a little bit of salt water ends up on my floor, I can probably clean it up. Yeah. If it's been sitting there dripping behind the sump for two days mm-hmm. or two months, man, just yeah. slow, uh, I, I probably can't repair that anymore and it's destroyed. So use the leak and water level sensors to your advantage and make sure you catch these problems either before they happen or the moment they happen. So number 12 here is Randy's biggest fails of all time. (laughs) We had to beat him over the head with it.
1: Yeah, this is not updating your firmware, especially when you're adding in new equipment. So I've made a couple phone calls early on in my career here to Terrence and Terrence, I can't get this thing to work. Hey, I got this new thing from you. I can't get it to work. And the first thing he says to me is, did you update your firmware? And then I bow my head in shame and go back <laughs> and, no, I didn't. I didn't update my firmware. So, I mean, now it's so easy that when you go into your dashboard, when you first log into Apex, you get this little warning symbol on the side of your, uh, of your Apex, that, uh, and it'll tell you before you even go to your dashboard, hey, this thing is, uh, has an update. You can update it right now. You can update it right here if you want to.
0: Heed those warnings and heed those notifications and
1: update your firmware. Just
0: keep it up to date. So the firmware will A, add like new features to uh, your Apex. So you do want to hit the button and update it, but triple so if you buy anything new and put it on there. So, you know, the new (laughs) module comes out, you absolutely have to update the firmware. So it knows that thing even exists, you know, it doesn't (laughs) know prior that that was even an option. So make sure uh, before you ever like hit up uh, anybody's customer service, like, Go ahead and just update it because you don't want to feel silly like poor Randy does here. Uh, but make sure to update the firmware. That is definitely one of the biggest fails. So the top 13 fails actually one that like really has become relevant for me in the last like couple years. Yeah, this is, uh, the fail here is
1: calibrating your probes rather than just checking them. All I have to do is get a few extra of uh, pH calibration solutions. Uh, so that when I can just open one up, put my probe in there. And if my probe reads seven, I'm good, I don't need to calibrate it. Uh, and then I could just kind of do those checks periodically until it's drifted away far enough where now I need to run a calibration.
0: Yeah, so here's the deal. is like uh, you gotta calibrate your probes every what a few months or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, you just don't really want to do it. So I, it doesn't get done. <laughs> and you don't really know where it's at. Let's make it easier with a dollar pouch. Yep. Like you could do this every month, you know, yep. put it in your like a uh, little calendar thing, yep. go ahead and dip it in the seven and the 10. And if it reads seven, and 10, dude, for sure. Like, done. There's no reason. You're actually probably more likely to mess it up recalibrating than make it better if it's already reading perfect. True. So don't do that. Just go ahead and check it. And if it's off, then calibrate. All right, number 14 should probably have been early up in the list because this is one that can go catastrophically wrong, and it is. Yeah, this is not testing your logic. So that means testing, uh, if I
1: program an alarm, if I program an alert, if I program any of these types of things, I wanna test to make sure it's working. It's not that we don't trust the apex to get it done right is I might have not done it right myself in either in the, I may have chose the wrong outlet or I may have chose the wrong parameters for my alarm. In which case it's just rather than not know about it and have it fail because I didn't test it, test it as soon as I set it, know that it's working properly and then I'm good to go.
0: Create the failure point, right? So if it's temperature, go get a glass of hot water, put your temperature probe in it, make the failure happen. Put it in a cup of ice cold water. Maybe you want to take a cup of water, put your ORP probe in it, and then dump a whole bunch of food <laughs> or amino acids in it by accident. Simulate your kid dumping it. Did it actually go off the way that it should, yeah. right? So take every one of your sensors and you know, create that scenario. If you've got a power monitoring thing, go plug a heater into something that's supposed to only take 30 watts and now it takes 300. Yep. You know, create all of those failure points and then you know that it works when you need it. All right, so the number 15 fail here is something that a lot of you aren't gonna wanna do, but you should, if you can. <laughs> yeah,
1: this is uh, hardwiring your, your Apex, if you can, instead of using Wi-Fi. Uh, just think about it. Like, how many times have you been at home, you're on, you're using your cell phone, you're using your iPad, you're using whatever, and you know, you lost signal, you lost Wi-Fi signal in my house. I mean, the same thing can happen to an Apex or anything connected to the Wi-Fi. So in this case, when you're talking about, you know, the heartbeat of your tank or, you know, all of these alerts being constantly fed a source of
0: uh, notification and internet, uh, just hardwired if you can. Yeah, so it'll keep working even if it isn't connected to the internet. Yeah, well, you lose that connection and notifications and everything mm-hmm. if something goes wrong. So if you can plug it into the Ethernet, uh, you know nothing beats a cord. Uh, the cord will always beat Wi-Fi. If you can't, so be it. Use the Wi-Fi, but if you can, run that Ethernet cord in there and know you got it right. All right, number sixteen is another catastrophic failure. Do not do this. Yeah, the
1: mistake here is plugging in a heater into your Apex without its own controller. So even if, if it's an inline controller, or if it's a, an independent controller on its own that's uh, that's using heating elements or powering heating elements, don't plug the heating elements directly into the apex.
0: Yeah. So I know you spent a lot of money on this thing, and the perception is it's going to be like uh, you know indestructible, and you'll <laughs> never ever ever have a temperature you know failure. The outlet will never ever fail. Mm. That is not the case, right? So uh, just like the heater's temperature failure or controller in their thermostat, it wears out. Things turn on and off a million times a year, you know, and it is absolutely going to fail at some point. So you don't want to just plug a a heater right in here without its own controller. So those look like heating elements that don't have any controller on them. You're thinking like, oh, I already have this. I could save some money and get that. No, you (laughs) always want to have redundancy with heaters. It's the number one most likely thing to wipe out your tank. You do not want to shave like 15 bucks off the cost of your heater, right? So make sure that you plug it in here and also a lot of people asked the question here, should I use the, the heater controller on the heater and then use this as a backup? Or should I set the apex to control the heater and then set the thermostat on the heater mm. to be the backup? And there is a correct answer to that question. And it is use the thermostat on your heater. So set it to 78 degrees and it'll turn on and off at 78 degrees. Set this thing at like 80 degrees, which is like two degrees over that. Mm. And if the heater ever fails, this thing will stop it from ever going catastrophically high. And the reason that we do it that way is because the heater costs 30 some dollars and we can just throw away when it's broken. If we wear out one of these outlets, turn it on and off a million or several million times a year, uh, this is much more expensive to replace. So let's wear out our heaters first and this will be our backup that is the correct way to do it. All right, so number 17 is somewhat related to that. Yeah, this is missing the
1: maximum power limits of the energy bar. Uh, It's just like any surge protector, anything that you have multiple plugs in there, there's limits to what it can take on for load. Same goes here.
0: Yeah, so most people's households has like a 15 amp circuit. So if you go over over that, all of a sudden, it's gonna trip your mm. uh, breaker. Same thing in here, but a lot of times, maybe your breaker is not working properly, or maybe you have a slightly higher one, but this thing controls 15 amps. So if I go out and use a 1200 watt heater, mm. there isn't a whole lot of room. There's not much other stuff I can plug into this. So I can't plug in 1200 watts of heater, you know, 1000 watts of light all into the same apex. In fact, because of my home's uh, power supply, I'm probably gonna have to find different circuits as right. well. But so make sure that when you're looking at your outlet, you know, 15 amps in here is adequate because again, it's probably the size of the home circuit and uh, there anyway, and they match each other on purpose. But just make sure that you look at it and do a calculation on how many watts. There's tons of calculators out there that you could use to figure that out. But do not overload the thing with more than your home circuit or this. So number 18 is actually something that they took away from this, but I think it's still valuable. So what is it?
1: Yeah, uh, this is, m- the mistake here is missing the value of the Apex, Apex display module or even just a cheap like 30, 40, $50 tablet. Uh, It goes back to when I'm not, when I don't have my phone directly on me or I'm just walking by the tank, visually the tank might look awesome, might be looking like it's okay, but something could be happening in there, pH, uh, you know, temperature related, ORP. And having a display that's just sitting right next to my tank there, I can just glance at it, see some parameters, know that it's okay, walk on.
0: Okay, so first thing, Mounting the tablet on your uh, reef tank just looks cool. Yeah, it's right? awesome. <laughs> so open up your tank and it's there. Uh, but hey man, I can just like uh, pull it off and I can do all the stuff on a big screen. Yep. It's super easy, way easier than doing it on my phone. Uh, by the way, the reason that they don't offer the display anymore is because the tablet is actually way cheaper to yeah. produce these days, oddly enough, because there's so few of these things. So, get a tablet. It's like go to uh, your local computer store, Micro Center, whatever it is, and get the cheapest tablet out there. And that will work really well to be able to control your Apex uh, via the display, and also just looks really neat. So number 19 is actually pretty interesting because you can save a few bucks if you want to and uh, it's kind of a fail to not at least consider it. Yeah, the fail here is to unplugging unnecessary items into
1: your Apex. So you you have eight outlets to plug things in. A lot of the core functions of your tank, you know, your heating elements, your return pumps, your skimmers, you know, all of these different things that you do want to control, uh, does start to fill up those outlets. And if you're plugging in things like Maybe I have four power heads and I plug them all in in there, um, especially if they have their own controller and I can plug them into its own surge protector. Or if they have like some um, um, app control or something like that where I can't even control it with my Apex anyway other than on and off, uh, I can use an app to kind of control it too. So don't waste those uh, eight outlets with things you really don't need to plug in there.
0: Yeah, so of course, some of you are like, no, 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 I wanna hit the feed mode, and I wanna be able to turn off all my powers. Yeah, well, so be it, right? Yeah. Uh, but you can save yourself a few hundred bucks by not having to buy like you know three of these things to plug in all 16 things that are on your aquarium. So, so, like, Do a little math of the things that are the most important to you mm. and make sure those things are plugged in. Things like power heads and maybe some degree lights can come last, uh, but make sure you're plugging in the things you actually wanna be no- notified the moment that it breaks as well as control it and do something positive for the tank the moment it breaks as well. Number 20 fail, most underutilized <laughs> module out there. Everybody knows it exists, so few people use it. Let's fix that. Yeah, this uh, mistake
1: here is underutilizing or not recognizing the benefit of a breakout box. This is I have to say this is my favorite piece of equipment, favorite module for the Neptune. Uh, this is this is what really got me geeky when uh, when I first had the older the uh, older version of the Apex is because i can open up my uh you're saying i can open up my cabinet and automatically a light turns on or i can push like a doorbell button or toggle a switch and have a variety of different things happen in my tank uh all of these are things you can do with a breakout box float switches the whole nine it's really awesome okay
0: so it's not just a fail on you and I, it's also, I think uh, Neptune's fail here <laughs> because they made it a little complex, right? You got to wire in your switches. So you can use all kinds of switches again, like mm. read switches. I can make magnetic switches. When you open mm. the cabinet lights, come on. I can use a switch where I just walk up and push a button and then things happen. I yep. can toggle switch it. I can do all kinds of different, like you float switches. Yep. So, but I don't want to actually wire it in there and then go program it. So uh, one of the other biggest fails here is Apex should actually make this easier. And I know that some people are actually creating some little toggle switch boxes and mm-hmm. stuff that you can plug right into it. And then you know give you some programming that comes with it to make it really easy. But let's expand this. This is one of the coolest things you can put on the tank. Super cool. And really, really opens up the doors to having automatic things happen or a series of things happen. Like I can go flip a switch or push, push button water change. Yeah. You know, I can do all kinds awesome. of different things and never ever have to open up my app or find my tablet and just push a button and it's done. So I'd love, love, love to see that happen. Okay, so if you only heard one thing today, let it be this. I actually believe the Apex's biggest benefit isn't actually as a controller, it's actually as a monitor that lets you know the moment that your ATO fails, the moment that you have a leak, the moment you have a power outage, the moment that the temperature is swinging wildly out of control, letting you know the moment that anything catastrophic is happening in your tank, and with just 20% of the effort, you can solve 80% of the issues. But maybe even better than that,
1: harness the Apex as a full controller and then solve real problems in real time, maybe even when you're not even there, and then hone in on that last 20%. Uh, If you wanna see how that's done, the ULM tank trials Apex programming episode we did is probably our best episode on how to do that. And you can see how we achieved it in this episode right here.